that we hold on to and, and that has changed our lives as we read it in the life of Jesus, much of that teaching happens while they are on their way to somewhere else. Much of that teaching happens while they are just living life together in the context of them being in community with each other. As they're in the boat crossing the lake, then Jesus begins to teach them. As they're going along and, and Jesus sees an image that strikes something in his mind, he begins to teach them what the kingdom of God is like using the images that he sees. As they move from place to place, as they are on the move, Jesus is unveiling for them what the kingdom of God is like and discipleship is happening there. Another thing happens, though. They encounter people. They interact with people. They engage people at their point of deepest needs, and people's lives are transformed as Jesus and his disciples are intertwining discipleship and mission with each other. So they're on the move. They're engaging people as they go. They don't just set up shop and say, hey, make an appointment and come see me, right? No, they go to where people are. And along the way, in the course of everyday life, transformation is happening everywhere because it's discipleship and it's on the move and it expresses itself as mission. We see that all the time. We also see it when the church forms in Acts 2. We talked about this last week when the Holy Spirit um, descends on them and is poured out on them and the church is born in that moment. But then we see here in, in chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 42, here's a beautiful description of what the church was about and what they were like. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's to discipleship, to learning about Jesus, to digging into the life of Jesus and the truth of Jesus, and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And so we see that community that's happening together and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see both of these things happening in the life of the early church. They're together. It's happening in the context of community. It's discipleship. They are digging deep together. Their lives are being shaped by the truth of who Jesus is. And at the same time, the community around them is filled with awe at who they are because of the way that they're engaging with their community. They're not just sitting around reading about how they should be generous. They're blowing the minds of the society around them with the ways that they are recklessly generous with their lives. It's ridiculous. And it's one of the most compelling things the world has ever seen. This authentic expression of discipleship and mission, transforming the lives of people. It's a beautiful thing, and we are still talking about it. We are still talking about it. It's spilled over. What Jesus Christ did in them refused to stay in them. It spilled over, and society was transformed because of who they were, because they, believe, they began with, we believe, and then they lived like they really did believe it. 
and the world has never been the same because of it. Here's another piece that we need to talk about when we talk about discipleship and mission, okay? So, discipleship comes down to following Jesus, okay? And as we do that, the Spirit shapes us as we follow Jesus into the heart of the Father. And discipleship leads us into the heart of the Father. The Spirit is shaping us to look more like Jesus, to live more like Jesus. Jesus is teaching us through the Spirit what it means to live and to love like Him. And we are being drawn into deeper intimacy with the Father. And this is what discipleship looks like. This is what happens. And so we see it kind of looks like this funnel, right? Of where we're going deeper and deeper and deeper into what it means to be a believer and into the life of God, okay? But here's the thing. This is important and this is vital, but this can't just stand on its own. There's more to it than just this, okay? And a lot of times as churches, we stop right here. And the goal is, okay, I'm glad you showed up today for the first time. Now let's get you into a a small group, which is amazing, and we want you to do that. That's where community and discipleship can happen. And then it's like, oh, you're really good at some of these things that we need, so we need you to serve in the church, okay? And we need you to do that, okay? We need help. We need help setting up here on Sunday mornings. We need help volunteering with the kids upstairs. We need help in here. And I challenge you, if this is your church, if you're calling this your home, then be a part of that. Jump in and serve and help us because we need it. All right? We need it. Well, all right. Okay. So, and that is important. But listen, a lot of times we just stop right there. And we're like, oh man, a real sign that I am growing in Christ is that I'm getting more and more involved with my church. And now I used to just go on Sundays. Now I go twice a week and now I'm getting more involved. So I'm in this other group too. So I'm there like three times a week. And next thing I know, I'm there five times a week and all of my free time is spent in the church and it's spent with the church people. And that is good in a sense, but it is not the whole picture. It is not the whole picture. Discipleship is not just getting you more and more involved in what is happening at the church and giving you more jobs at the church. It's not just about that. There is more. My older brother, Chris, uh, and his family, through, through his work, he got to take his family on a cruise a couple of weeks ago, and his kids were so pumped about it. They, they, they couldn't wait to go. All right? He's got a daughter, Peyton, who's 10, Uh, Another daughter, Reagan, who's seven, and then their little son, Owen, who is about the age of my boys. Um, And so as they were getting ready to go, they just they couldn't wait and they were so excited. So when I got to see them when they got back, I couldn't wait to hear what they thought of it and like what their experience was like. Right. So I go to Reagan, uh, my niece, and she's she's the seven year old. I was like, Reagan, how was the cruise? You know, what, what was the cruise like? And she was just beaming, right? She just smiled so big. And she was like, oh, it was awesome. They had a pool. And I'm like, for real? (laughs) 
All right, you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, right? You're going to a beautiful beach, like this tropical beach, and you're talking about the pool, all right? That's great for a seven-year-old, but when we bring that out and, and into our lives, that is kind of what this can be like, right? There is more. There is more. There is more. It doesn't just stop here. So discipleship leads us into the heart of the Father, but there's more than that. Then the heart of the Father sends us out in mission. The heart of the Father sends us out in mission. We begin to follow Jesus and the Spirit shapes us as we're led into the heart of the Father. And then as we become more and more like Jesus, our hearts begin to turn outward. Our hearts begin to turn outward. Martin Luther talked about the idea of sin being that our hearts are turned inward on ourselves. That we begin to just, all we care about is ourselves. Grace begins to do the opposite to us. It begins to wake our hearts up and they begin to turn outward. And that's what happens in mission. As we are led into the heart of the Father, then the heart of the Father sends us out on mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit with the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ so that the world might know and might experience what we've experienced and what has changed us. This is what it's about. What happens as a result, once again, is this intertwining and this, this it, mission then begins to give way to more discipleship. In mission, we create more disciples. We make more disciples as people encounter the grace of God. Then all of a sudden, more disciples are born, right? And then what happens? The whole process starts over again. And what we have happening is not just addition, but multiplication. And this thing is compounding and it's exponential and it is now taking on a life of its own, right? And that is an endless, endless chain reaction that is sparked. When we in discipleship follow Jesus into the heart of the Father, shaped by the Spirit. And then the heart of the Father sends us out into the world, empowered by the Spirit with the message and the grace of Jesus Christ. Exponential, compounding transformation begins to happen. A chain reaction that cannot be stopped. This is the design of the church. This is the DNA of the church. It's who we are. It's who we can be. It's in us. It is foundational to who we are. And this needs to happen. When I think about what mission and discipleship intertwined look like, when I, see what, when I think about what the church needs to look like, I think about Derek and April Hastings. Okay, Derek and April Hastings are our family life pastors. Um, they work with the kids up in Quest Kids. They help uh, minister to parents. And um, they are just fantastic. They are fantastic people. And at the beginning of the church, um, we didn't have a lot of, of families and kids. And now the, it's getting packed up there, which is a lot of fun to see. Um, but before, there weren't a lot of kids. And Derek and April, instead of saying, man, let's go out and let's try to drag like kids into this, 
they felt like the Spirit was telling them to do something different. That the Spirit was telling them to go to wherever kids are that need the hope of the gospel. And so, instead of keeping it here in the church, they decided to go, and every month, April leads a team that goes to a local shelter for women and for children and ministers to the kids there and shows the hope of Jesus through her life. And some of you have been a part of that, and it's fantastic. It's beautiful. I love that. And then that, that multiplies. When they live like that, it begins to multiply. Their daughter, Madison, who is 10. Madison, we jokingly refer to her as the LCH intern, all right? Because she is like all over it, and she just has this beautiful heart for Jesus and for people who need to know Jesus. She's been transformed, and she wants the world to be transformed, and I've heard her pray with the purest heart that the world would know about Jesus and would fall in love with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing, a chain reaction of what she's seen in her parents. Sophia, their middle daughter, Sophia is eight. Last night I got a call from Derek, and Derek says, hey man, is it too late for someone to jump in on the baptism this morning? And I was like, well, tell me a little bit more, okay? Like, what's the deal? Where are they in their relationship? What, what's up? What's happening? Who are we talking about? And he says, Sophia, has, has, has been wanting to make this public declaration of her faith in Jesus, and she just can't wait any longer. And I'm like, Derek, it's going to be outside. We're going to be in the creek. It's going to be really cold, right? This is probably, maybe we need to wait. And he's like, man, I've tried to convince her. She can't wait anymore. She doesn't want to wait. She wants to do it now. Beautiful, beautiful. And their son, Shepard, who was four. Shepherd recently, they were in Wilmington, and they were walking around downtown Wilmington. And, you know, as a result of being a part of this church, Shepherd every Sunday, they, they park back here and they walk up the alley. And I've been with them as they've been walking and, and hearing April, the mom, be like, Shepherd, don't touch anything, right? <laughs> and, uh, we, that's good advice, by the way, to all of you out there, okay? <laughs> And so, but as Shepherd has been a part of things here, and is, it maybe his understanding, his mind of, of what the church is like has been slightly warped, okay? And um, so they're in Wilmington, and they're walking around in downtown Wilmington, and they pass by this alleyway that is equally shady, like this one, right? And, and so Shepherd looks down that alley, this sketchy alley, and he turns to his dad and he says, Hey, is somebody's church down there? <laughs> like, it should be, all right? If it's not, I'll go start it. You say that, I'm going. Let's go, Shepherd, me and you, all right? <laughs> but to me, when I heard that, that just, it made me laugh, and then it just struck my heart, and I'm like, that is it. That is it because of what he's seen in his parents, because of what his parents have been a part of, because of what they've demonstrated about this. This little guy, four years old, his concept of the church has been completely warped now, right? Completely warped. And he looks down an alley, a sketchy alley, and he thinks a church should probably be down there. And he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. In discipleship, We're led into the heart of Jesus and into the heart of the Father. 
This is what being the church is about. It's about being a part of this worldwide movement where we are being shaped and led deeper and deeper into the heart of the Father. But it doesn't stop there. It's also about being sent out in mission. We are called out ones. We are called to join God in His work wherever it is happening, wherever we go. As Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not found by careful observation, He says. So don't believe someone when they say, oh, here it is or there it is. He said, because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what it means to be a part of the Holy Catholic Church, to be a part of the communion of saints, to live in response to forgiveness of sins, to live in hope of resurrection of the body, to live in certainty of the life everlasting. Amen. That is what it is about. As a church, we have the responsibility to take all of that that we've set up to this point that we believe about who God is, we have the responsibility to make that real for people where we are. They need to look at our lives and no longer doubt. They need to look at our lives. They, they shouldn't be able to look at us and find evidence counter to that fact. They should look at us and we should be glaring evidence that what we believe is true. They should be able to look at us and see that. Our lives should pulse with that. If we believe this, then we have to live this in a way that makes it real for the people around us. And when we do, this chain reaction will be woken back up in us. Sometimes we look at this story of Acts chapter 2 and we say, we've got to get back to that. No, we don't. No, we don't. This is at a point in history, the Gospels hadn't been written yet, okay? The letters of Paul haven't been written yet because Paul hadn't been transformed yet. At this point, Paul was still trying to kill the church. We're not trying to go back to that time. What we're trying to do is awaken in us what is talked about here. Because in every believer, this is alive in us. It just needs to wake up. It just needs to wake up. Dear, these are the essentials of who the church is. We don't need to go back to that. We need to continue to move forward and continue to see the world transformed because of what we believe and then to see them transformed by that. That's what we need to be. That's who we need to be. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but he also said, you are the light of the world. What a crazy thought. What a crazy thought. When people look at us and when we say we believe this, when people look at us, they need to be able to believe us when we say that we believe this.